Do you ever wonder how great leaders in the community make things happen? When they encounter new unexpected challenges like a pandemic, how do they continue to successfully make an impact? Welcome to That Sounds Terrific, the podcast that connects you with these amazing people. Get insights on what they do to meet their goals. Find out how you can help them in their mission and learn their methods so you can be more successful at what you do. Welcome to That Sounds Terrific with host Nick Koziel. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of That Sounds Terrific. Joining me today is Tracy Tem, career clarity expert, nth degree career academy founder, and author of Hashtag Unstoppable. <laughs> I think we got it now. I think we got it. Nailed it. <laughs> so let's start off by just thank you. For, thank you for being on the show. Uh, I'm so glad you're able to, to do this and agreed to do this. Can you tell yeah. me a little bit about yourself, you know, your career and, you know, where you came from? Sure, absolutely. Um, thanks for having me. This is fun. Uh, so yeah, born and raised Texas girl. I uh, love being from Texas. It's kind of a fun, fun thing to be. Uh, and only child. So spent a lot of my youth um, performing, you know, and, and, and getting a lot of attention uh, for it and getting a lot of praise for when I did well. Uh, and that is a big part of my childhood and kind of how I got, I think, to where I did in my professional life. Um, I, I, I tell people this all the time. I was a black belt box checker. Like you gave me a box, you gave me a bar, you said jump. I said this, okay, this high, perfect. Um, and, and, and that works really well, you know, when you're growing up, it works well in school. It works well when the measure of success is very linear. So, you know, you could be first chair, second chair, third chair and band. You could be varsity. JV freshman in a sport, you can get an A or a B or a C in a class, you know, so performing is not really that hard, right? Um, so those of us who were high, high performers got rewarded in that system. Uh, and unfortunately that really blinded me to the fact that, uh, in life, you know, career and, and sort of just life in general, doesn't have a linear bar for success. There's no, you know, one measurement for it. Although I think a lot of us, because of that training in our youth, that there are very clear, winners and losers, uh, up until you're in real life, we think that life functions like that. Right. So, right. um, you know, I, I was really, re I worked really hard in school. I worked really hard in sports. And so I got into a great school. I went to Yale, I played softball there for a couple of years. Um, you know, found something that I loved to study, which was psychology. I'm a huge nerd. I'm a lot of people are like, what kind of nerd? I'm like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> that kind. Uh, but I loved, I did. I love to learn. I think people are fascinating. That's why I love psychology. That's why I was so interested in studying it. Um, but when it came time to really figure out, okay, what are you going to do after this is over? Really after studying is over, you know, I was done with academics. I didn't want to get a PhD. I didn't want to get a master's. I didn't want to keep going in that realm. I, I wanted to work, which is really odd for me. <laughs> I'm definitely more of a play, have fun and play than work kind of gal. But anyway, I, in the absence of knowing exactly what I wanted to do and having a clear linear bar for success, I just looked around to see what everyone else was doing and to see what, what was accepted as successful on campus. Right. Right. And Yale is a great place to get recruited from, right? The, the yeah. companies just pour onto campus in September of your senior year. And there's career fairs and info sessions ad infinitum. Um, and, and Yale is heavily finance, heavily consulting. A lot of people go into government. Uh, a lot of people are interestingly enough, go to the NGO nonprofit world, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. So they pay a bunch of money and then make no money for a long time, <laughs> uh, but they give back. They do good work. I had a yeah. lot of friends like do teach for America for instance instance. Um, I just had no idea what I wanted to do. And so I started kind of dabbling in everyone else's to do's, right. I applied for teacher America. didn't even get an interview, which I was still a little like salty about. Uh, but I did apply to, um, a finance company, RBS and did, uh, eventually get an interview. It's a long, crazy story. Somebody got the swine flu. And so I got oh. their interview spot and the rest is history. I, I interview well. Um, they took a chance on me. I, I can learn fast and I can, put sentences together most of the time and, <laughs> and, uh, people think I'm good company. So they hired me and I spent two and a half years right out of the bat working on, on wall street and, uh, hating my life for the most part, <laughs> building a great life. I had great friends. Uh, I had a cool, I had a gym that I loved. I got to travel, you know, I got to live a, a nice lifestyle, but for 12 hours a day, five days a week, every single week, I hated it. I had dragged myself out of bed. I dragged myself through the day. I stared at the clock. I, I, I had that job 
the, the job you hate. Right. Um, and it's the reason that I do what I do today truly was that experience because I, I, I saw so many other people suffering, suffer like really. Yeah. And, and I don't use yeah. that word lightly. Like we were suffering through this experience that people were, I mean, the competition to get that job, like forget it on my right. super day, you know, where you interview like 17 times in a row with different people, there were hundreds of us, you know, applying yeah. for these handful of jobs. And, and I remember thinking, wow, I, I, somebody would die for this. And I hate it. Like what, <laughs> what's wrong with me? You know, like there were all mm -hmm. those questions. It was, it was also sort of, I was 24, 25. So you think the whole world is you and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was a lot. It was, um, gosh, it was, it was a, very transformative moment in my life and, and really spurred me on to do what I do today. And, and it's a lot of the source of my interest in this whole area, right. Of career. So, yeah. Awesome. So like, was there like this epiphany or was it, how was it a gradual change? How did that, like, how yes. did you get yourself out? <laughs> all of the above. So what I like to, what I like to tell people, and this really resonates, I think with most people is that when it comes to major realizations in life, I think they come in waves. And I think as the first wave comes, you, you bat it down. Right. So like wave number one is like, ah, I don't like it. Or like something's wrong. And you're like, right. okay, no, no, no. It's, it's, you explain it away. Right. Cognitive dissonance is like, mm -hmm. it's, this is magical thing, right. Where if you're not familiar with cognitive dissonance, it's like my favorite psychological term. It's basically that your mind and your body can't exist at odds with one another. So if you have a belief and an action that don't agree with one another, you either have to change your belief or you have to change your action to alleviate that tension, the dissonance, right. In your right. Brain. So I, I just love this concept because it explains so much of stupid human behavior, right? Because <laughs> if, if, if I believe that something's wrong, but my actions are going into the job every day, well, then I have to explain away my belief or I have to change my actions. Well, I didn't change my actions. It's my job. So then I explained my belief away and my, my explain away was, oh, well, everybody, the beginning of every job is hard and I've never been in finance before. So maybe if I get better at it, you know, maybe if I learn more, but I, I didn't care. I didn't care to learn anymore. So then there was that right there. So it just came in these ways where I, I'd say like, oh, I don't like this. Oh, I can't not like this. Or, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's okay that I don't like this, but I don't know what I'm going to do instead. So I bat it back down. You know, it was all these little, little waves. Um, and then there were a handful of epiphany moments and probably right. the, the biggest one was uh, the one that I told in my Ted talk, which is uh, that <laughs> literally I had a basically a five minute break every day that I actually took where I would just, it wouldn't be going to the bathroom, right? It wouldn't be like <laughs> getting something out of the car. It was like an actual break. Um, and usually I would walk around upstairs with a friend of mine on the terrace. We had this outside, really beautiful terrace and we overlooked this cute little Creek and it had a bridge and streets and whatever. And they were doing construction on the bridge one day and they, that almost never happened. So I just casually noticed it and mentioned it. And the guy I was with, uh, who's a year younger than me analyst. Um, so we'd worked together for a year. I was in my second year. He literally stopped, looked like investigated, and then just became this totally different person and started gushing about like bridges and cement and roads and construction and the winter and condensation and like all these things mm -hmm. that I was like, who are you? Like what? I, I mean, when you work with somebody for a year and you go out with them and you hang out with them and you meet their friends and, you know, you think, you know, them, right. right? I had never seen him gush about anything, anything. I'd never seen him excited like that excited unless he was drunk, you know, like I'd never <laughs> seen this person come out. And I was like, what? Like, are you kidding me? I was pissed. Actually. I was like, <laughs> what, what are you doing here? Like the only right. reason that I'm still here. Cause that was the final wave for me. It was like, right. I definitely don't like this and I don't want to do it, but I don't know what else I would do. And so right. this is my cozy little uncomfortable blanket that I'm going to hold on to until I figure that out. And he knew he had the thing, right? He mm -hmm. had the inspiration. He just wasn't going for it. He was choosing to be miserable in my perception. Right. Right. And I, I just remember being so angry. It was like, what are you doing here? This is ridiculous. Like, get out, you be free, you know? Cause he wasn't, he was miserable too. Right. And, uh, and he was like, well, I, I can't like, this is what successful people do. This is what I have to do. This is how I can make money. This is how I can make a name for myself. Like this is, this is the life. This is the dream. Mm -hmm. someone's dream. Right. Right. It's certainly not his. <laughs> and, and I just was like, that is so 
sad. That is so sad. And then I thought, cause I'm a big, I'm a big, I try to think big as much as I can. I'm still learning. Cause especially in business, I don't have a business background. So I still think like this, like you buy <laughs> it, you sell it, you know, whatever. Right. But when I, when it came to that, that epiphany moment, I was like, Whoa, like how many people are here? Not because they don't know what they want to do, but because they believe that what they want to do isn't successful or, or will be looked on by others as less than, or won't make them any money or, you know, whatever, whatever sort of limiting belief they have around it. Right. Yeah. And I was like, how many people, like he could be, so then my brain went even further. Like he could be God's gift to construction. He could be the next <laughs> Frank Lloyd Wright. He could build the next, you know, I don't know, whatever building. And, <laughs> and instead he's like modeling spreadsheets. Like, what are you doing? Like I, I was, yeah, I, I, that's when I was like, I got to get the H-E double hockey sticks out of here. I gotta go, I gotta go tomorrow. You know, like I'll yeah. leave, I'll, I don't care because I'm not gonna be one of those people. And mm -hmm. if, if, <laughs> so, so that's when I kind of realized there's, there's two hurdles in this scenario, right? There's like knowing what it is that you wanna do and then allowing yourself right. to go do that thing. Yeah. Um, and, and what we solve at the nth degree is the knowing, but mm -hmm. what no one can solve for you is the believing right? That right. it's okay. The believing that it's worth it, the believing that you're worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's a, it's a, it's a big mindset thing that doesn't change easily. Like I just checked up on this guy recently and I'm pretty sure he's at another bank or at another financial institution. And it just makes my heart sad because I, you know, I, I, I really think that we're here for a reason. I think our work can be this great outlet for mm -hmm. purpose in our lives and in the world. And when we choose for it not to be, I think there's so much that we have to give that goes un, unrealized. Right. And, and that's, that's the sad part. Yeah. I mean, I totally relate with what you're saying and, and, you know, I've experienced, you know, I've experienced that myself. This is what success is supposed to be, or, you know, more often than not, I also see in a lot of the people that I, that I, you know, worked with and talked with, um, this is what so-and-so says success is, and maybe it's their parents, maybe it's, you know, their wife, maybe it's a husband, maybe it's just someone that they've idolized all their life. This yeah. is what success is. Until I get to that pinnacle part that I'm not successful. Yeah. So what I liked about also what you said was, uh, you know, you talked a little bit in earlier on about you'd like to perform and, and you liked, you know, um, work should be kind of like more like play, you know, when, Ugh. when, right. Know, Isn't that the dream? Right. Right. And, and I've talked to a dozen or so people, you know, now in this podcast and, and someone else that, you know, just, you haven't heard this episode. It hasn't come out yet, but, um, one of the people I've been talking to had what would be someone else's dream job, yeah. you know, um, announcing for, you know, a huge sports organization, <gasps> you know, right. Yeah. Wouldn't you just love that, <laughs> you know, but he went into yeah. it and saying how miserable it was making him, you know, wow. um, that it wasn't the right fit for him. So finding a right fit and um, I'd love to like explore a little bit more the nth degree and like yeah. and, and, and talk to me a little bit about like, you know, without giving away the trade company secrets, like, <laughs> you know, I do that way too often. <laughs> My business coaches are like, teach, don't give them the stuff. <laughs> don't give them the steps. But yeah, talk a little bit about like that process. I mean, you, you talked a little bit about your personal experience, but you know, what are, what's the typical client coming in and, and what would they expect? You know, it's funny that you asked about typical because I, I remember dangerous in our line right, well, no, I, no, but I just remember thinking, okay, I know who we serve, right? It, it's right. 25 year old miserable Tracy who would give her left arm to have this solution <laughs> and has a little bit of money saved up and is like, please God, just drop it in my lap. Right. Cause that was me. Um, but then I realized like there are actually more of this guy in the world than there are the, the me's not. And that doesn't mean that I'm awesome. It just means that there are more people who have mindset in the way of that, yeah. of this transformation, then they have clarity in the way. And, and it, and it comes, the mindset transformation comes at different moments or stages in career for everyone. So mm -hmm. some of us are like, 
when we're 10, you know, like, I'm going to love what I do and I want to be a pilot. And then they're a pilot forever. Right. Yeah. And then some of us are 25 and miserable bankers. And then are like, I'm going to, I will come hell or high water. I'm going to go figure this out. Right. And some people right. turn, they're on the eve of their 40th birthday and they're like, Ooh, I hate my, <laughs> I hate my job. I hate my life. I can't be 40 and miserable. I can be 39 and miserable. You know, um, we get that one a lot, actually. A yeah. lot of women who are 39 come join our program. And I think it's that number that's just like, okay, well now that I'm 40, I'm in, I'm like, this is life. This is my life. Right? I'm an adult. Like I, I got a now or never kind of thing. Right. <laughs> and then I just enrolled last week, a 68 year old man. Who's like, I had a business. It, it, it went bankrupt. I'm starting over. I, you know, I, I, I want my legacy career, you know, this bonus career to be meaningful and mm. to have integrity and purpose and all the, and, and I, and I don't, I want to do it with intention. I don't have 15 years to trial and error my way through this. Right. I want right. to get it right. And I was like, let's do it. You know, like, <laughs> let's absolutely do it. It's never too late. So I would say, you know, the typical client isn't necessarily this one demographic. It's a psychographic. It's, mm -hmm. it's a handful of different types of people, but they all want purpose they all want to unleash some un unlocked potential or some locked potential, I guess you'd call it. Um, and they all want riches and wealth in more ways than one, right? Mm -hmm. So, so yes, I want to be paid well, and I want to be paid what I'm worth and I want some freedom and mm -hmm. I want some fulfillment. You know, I want a wealthy life, a rich life. And I think the thing that we, that we have the opportunity to, to amend in our minds is that especially in the United States, we work our lives around our jobs. Mm -hmm. all, all, like I would say 80% of us out there yeah, working, right? True. We work our mm -hmm. lives around our jobs instead of building careers that facilitate a life that we want. Mm -hmm. Does, you know, you get the difference, right? right? And it's not, it's not that you're working your job around this life that you want. It's creating a career that facilitates a life and a lifestyle that's bigger than money, you know, mm -hmm. that gives you time to practice your faith, gives you time to be with your family, gives you a semblance of freedom, has some play. Like right. I miss play. You know, I, there was a guy, I, I, it was called like play your way free of anxiety or something. He wrote this great book. Cause I was a super anxious as you can imagine, you know, <laughs> uh, person. And, uh, and, and I just remember thinking, huh, play like, and he just recommended like, you know, at lunch or, or you're, the next time you have a meeting, suggest that you play catch instead of sit and have coffee, like, like what work play back into your life mm -hmm. in these creative ways. And it's going to alleviate a lot of your stress. And I think if, if you're right, if more of your job was playful yeah. or, or full of joy, then, then we'd, we'd have a lot different. I don't know. I think this is just yeah. a good opportunity to alleviate a lot of tension among a lot of people, you know, but it, I don't know. I think we hit adulthood and we're like, well, nope, everything has to be serious and everything has to be hard and work has to be hard because it's work. And like, ugh, <laughs> like what kind of life is that? Like go to Italy. People are like, listen, like yeah. I just rewatched, um, this is so cheesy. I just watched, uh, eat, pray, okay. love. And they, <laughs> <laughs> but I love, so I lived in Rome one summer in college, um, which was super cool. It was only like five or six right. weeks but we lived in Rome. We like did our own grocery shopping and our own cooking. And like within three days, the guy next door who served coffee knew my name and knew my order and knew I like chocolate croissants and like the whole nine, right? Right. People in Italy know how to live. And yeah. I forgot that they have this saying, um, cause I took a few years of Italian that it's a dolce far niente. It's the joy or the, the pleasure of doing nothing, the yeah. sweetness of doing nothing. And, um, and I was like, when was the last time I just sat and did nothing? Like even when I'm at home watching TV, I'm like crocheting. I'm like I have to be productive, right. you know. That's that's so American and it's so backwards when it comes oh, yeah. to quality of life, you know. Yeah. I think we 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 cognitive dissonance our way into it. This is what I have to do, right? I have to make this much money. I have to work this hard. I have to and the more people who do that, the more it becomes true, right? Right. Whereas, you know, in Italy, you could start your day at 10, take a two hour lunch, take a nap. Maybe you come back. Maybe you don't. <laughs> yep. That was my favorite part of being over there was you'd go to a, a, 
I mean, well, it doesn't do anything great for the economy. I'll give you that, but <laughs> you'd go to like a museum and you'd say, Hey, I want to see this special exhibit. And in Italian, the guy's explaining how, well, that he usually comes in on Wednesdays, but some days he bikes instead. And then he's with his kid and then he likes to take long lunches. So he may be here, but it'd be a couple hours. And you're like, is this how you function? Like every day, you know, right. it's a bit frustrating, but like, but it's, there's so much more freedom. There's so much more, um, ease, you know, mm-hmm. with, with life and it's a little less serious and, and certainly a lot more fun. So yeah, it, to bring it all the way back to your original question, the, the clientele is, is really seeking those major items out of their career and, and wants to rewrite the script, you know, cause if you, if you know with clarity what you need to feel joyful and full and fulfilled and free uh, and wealthy, right? And secure and stable. And then you can articulate that in a myriad of ways with lots of evidence. You're going to get what you want. The reason most of us don't get what we want is because we don't really know with clarity what we want Mm -hmm. and what we're willing to say no to, right? To get what we want. We just think we want everything, but you you don't. If 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 push comes to shove and you had to choose like five or maybe seven or ten core things in your life and everything else went away, you could do that, right? You you could absolutely do that, and you'd probably only want five or seven or ten. You don't want everything. Yep. Most of us really just want these handful of things, and that's enough. But mm. but we're we're fed this culture of like I need more, I want more, and and it's listen, I'm pontificating a lot, but it, it's because it's so easy to say, but then to live it every day is a challenge. Yeah. Especially living here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, if, you know, I was going to talk a little bit about COVID and how it kind of affected you and your business um, a little later, but yeah, I think, sure. I think that this transition's happening a little sooner just because um, when we went through this as a country, um, people were lost because the traditional work model that you have here, the traditional idea of productivity yeah. um, was flipped on its upside down, right? And, yes. and so many people were so stressed about it. And then finally, we kind of went through this curve where people were like, okay, wait, no, we can be very productive. And we were in that zone where, well, maybe this is a change for, for good, yeah. you know, as far as there'll be a lot more remote positions, but you know, being in the group that you came in and I've mentioned this group to my listeners before about uh, the Western New York career support group, we're finding that as my, my clients and well, clients, my, my group is reaching out and applying for jobs that are remote. Mm-hmm. People are saying, Oh, well, it's remote for now. Um, it's, we put remote in there, but we really want you to live in Dallas, Texas to actually have this position, <laughs> Jeez. you know, and some of yeah. them are really funny. Like uh, there was one guy, he's a tech guy and he was telling me all about how, there's a company that actually implements online software to help you do your work remotely, but they require you to come in. You don't use your own software. <laughs> I won't mention the company name, but I, I almost went on a whole bender about like, yeah, I mean, I would too, but you know what, it, Nick, like yeah. the cobbler's kids are always barefoot. Like right. we never, we never take our own medicine. We don't do our yeah. own stuff. Like I work so hard to live as an example. And then multiple times a year, I find myself working in a part of my business where I'm like, I hate this. Like, right. what am I doing? This is not my genius zone. Someone else could be doing this better, but you think like, this is what an entrepreneur is supposed to do. You're supposed to be scrappy. You're supposed to do it yourself. You're supposed to learn everything first. Well, like right. why? Yeah. Why? You know, I, so yeah, I, you need good examples though. And you need good mentors. You need people who unlock that, that possibility right. in your mind. Right. Because until it, until you believe it's possible and until someone shows you that it's possible, right. Like gives you an example, tells you the story of the so-and-so is doing this thing. It's not even an option in your brain. Right. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't exist because you don't, we don't know what we don't know, which is, which is why <sighs> the thing that I, we're getting caught up with our clients right now on is so much of this work is interior right. until it needs to be exterior, right? Cause you, you can only get yourself so far just by thinking, then you need to go apply it and do it and have informational interviews and learn and practice and get involved and have conversations to, to amplify things that are dormant, but then also to add to your body of knowledge the things that you can't know, you know what I mean? But I think that's the next part that we're having trouble with, or people are getting tripped up on is, all right, we can help you craft this amazing niche. You Mm -hmm. have to be willing to go out in the world and sell it. 
And, and 80% of our clients are like, I don't need you to, I don't need you for that. You know what I mean? Like they're go-getters, they're hustlers, they're natural networkers, boom, they're gone. And then the other ones are like, wait, I have to go tell this to somebody. Like you, <laughs> you didn't say that. I'm like, well, if you want to go do it, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it cracks me up, but right. I think that it's a totally normal hesitation to not want to look as though you're not fully baked, you know, like, mm -hmm. like you don't have it all together. You don't know the perfect answer. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like that personally anymore, but I bet I did when I was 24, 25, I, I guarantee you the first day I walked, yeah. I, I woke up on wall street. I was like, must look like she knows everything. And everybody was like, <laughs> right. Right. Child, yes. you know, nothing. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I embrace that now. The no, I know nothing. So I I'm doing informational interviews right now for myself, for my own life about yeah. maybe going back to school. And I'm like, listen, here's what I'm thinking, but challenge it. What else, what else could it be? You know, am I wrong? What's, what are my blind spots? Like, help me see what I don't see. Help me know what I don't know. And that's, it's a skill. Right. You got to practice it. Yeah. And I think that's important that that point, um, is really important. Um, is just networking and doing informational interviews. You don't know about something, go find out, you know, what, yeah. what can it, what can it hurt? First of all, I mean, the worst that you could do is you reach out to someone and they don't, they don't get back to you or they just say, I don't have the time for yeah. this, but, but yeah. do it. You know, I mean, if you're interested in possibly taking a, you know, uh, a different direction in, in your career or in your life or, or wherever, start exploring it before, before it becomes a necessity, you know? Yes. Um, yes. So, I mean, that can't it, be overstated yeah, before it becomes a necessity, right? Because if you keep going down the road, you're going and you're unhappy, let's say in your job, they're going to find out like, right. you are not as sly as you think you are. You know? <laughs> like people are going to notice when you're not doing your best, when you don't show up first, when you're not the most eager, when you're not operating at your highest, like people notice it's not, right. you know, you think you're hiding, you may be hiding for now, but you can't hide forever. Right. And, and that was the, that's the best advice. One of the best pieces of advice I got when I was thinking about quitting my first job was my best guy friend in the world at the time, Matt was like, dude, choose before they choose for you. Like yeah. right now you have the opportunity to leave on your own terms and make your mm -hmm. own choices. Like if you keep going down this road, there's a really good chance that the choice is going to be made for you. And then you're on your heels, you know, then you're right. reacting instead mm -hmm. of being proactive in your own life. And that's harder. Like that's yeah. going to be a harder. Cause where, where do you usually go? Okay. You go to what, you know, so mm -hmm. then you find yourself, you know, not to use that other friend you were talking about as an example, but he's, if he's still in finance, maybe that's what happened. Got backed into a corner and then went to a safety net. Yeah. yeah right? Of course. Of course. Instead would. of exploring construction or, or exactly. whatever it might be, you know? Yeah. So how do you transit on your, yeah. Moving yeah. forward on your own terms. It, it can't be overstated. So I, I think that's, I was beautifully said, Nick. Oh, well thank you. <laughs> Maybe they'll keep me around a little longer here, huh? <laughs> I certainly so, hope so. Right, right. How about like leadership style? Like what do you, what do you find um, when it comes to leadership? I'm sure you've got a handful of those coming through your program and, and working with them. What do you, what do you think is like, you know, amongst the highest qualities that you need to have and be an effective leader? Ooh, this is something that's still being formulated, I think for me, you know, people constantly ask me like, what does success mean to you? I'm like, what day is it? <laughs> <laughs> I got up, uh, I'm here, right? <laughs> ah, some days success is I made my own coffee. Yes. And then other days success is like, I just closed this big deal. And then other right. days you're right. Success is like, I opened my left eye and then my right eye. And then I got my left foot out of bed and my right foot out of bed. And it was a good day, you know? Yeah. And that's fine. That's, ugh, I don't think we give ourselves enough grace, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. I love how you talked about that productivity thing. And we'll come back to the leadership thing in a second. I just, sure. my tangent no, go break, ahead. Because my mom um, took a package from this company she'd worked for for 31 years last year, uh, super early retirement package. And she's like sitting pretty for 10 months. It's absurd amount of money. Um, <laughs> but, but it was two years, three years before she really wanted to retire. And so she's like, like sitting around with this nervous energy, like need must be productive, not sure what to do right. <laughs> constantly. So she gets out of bed, she goes to her computer and she sits there and she's like, so I realized I was spending hours at the computer and like not doing anything just cause it's like my comfort. I, 
So I keep pushing, trying to push her out of her comfort zone and just like, why don't you go golfing today? Like you can, you know, and she's picking it up and she let, so the other day she went and hit a bucket yeah. ball. She's like, this is so great. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is what you earned. You know, right. like <laughs> you did all that work for all those years for this. So like, enjoy it anyway, leaders. So I have always been told since I was young that I was like a natural leader. And I, I gravitated towards positions of leadership. So if we had a group project, mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of oversee things. Or if we had um, a paper that we had to write as a group, like I like to consolidate everybody's stuff and kind of pull it all together cohesively. Like, and I've been an only child and super independent my whole life. And I think that just fit me well. Mm -hmm. And there are things about leadership that I'm not necessarily great at. Um, like you really have to hold people to a standard. So sometimes you have to be what I might consider mean or, mm -hmm. or firm or whatever. And that for me has always just been historically hard because I also have this really high need for people to like me and, and for there to be harmony in, um, in my, in my social relationships, right? Like I have a right. really high uh, sort of extroversion factor if you want to go there. And so, uh, it, having social interactions be challenged by conflict inherently challenges having any more future social interactions. And so I would traditionally really avoid that, even though I have, I have a lot of dominance in my personality as well. <laughs> so I think to be really an effective leader, you have to find a nice balance of those two things. And it's a constant, you know, I, I, I can't remember who I said this to last, but I, I read somewhere, heard somewhere that actually balance is, um, it's an illusion. Like, even mm. if you look at a ballerina who's standing on their tiptoes and balancing, what they're actually doing is making micro adjustments back and forth with their weight right. and giving, giving the, the semblance of looking as though they're perfectly balanced. So I think finding the balance of being dominant and being, being sort of what we might consider traditionally as a leader, especially here in the West. Um, and then also having this massive amount of empathy, knowing that the people you're leading are humans just like you and, right. and having a certain level of authenticity, well, an extreme level of authenticity, a certain level, level of extreme vulnerability, um, because you can't tell everybody everything all the time, mm -hmm. but they need to know, you know, I, I find that when I'm open with my people about, Hey, I, I don't really know what I'm doing here or, you know, I, I need feedback. I, I would love to know what you guys think. Where do you want to go? Nine times out of 10, they're all like, Oh, we got this you know, you go be confused mm -hmm. over there. We're good. You know? <laughs> um, and it just, I've, I've found that that really serves me well, just being, yeah. being authentic and open uh, with people. So I, I really think too, to be a leader, you have to be going somewhere. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, like have a strong sense of self. You don't necessarily have to know exactly where you're going and exactly how to get there but having purpose behind what you're doing, I think is crucial. Like nobody wants to follow somebody that isn't going somewhere purposefully, like mm. is sort of doing things without intention. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I found that the, the best feedback that I get from my people about my leadership is always around being present for them and really mm. listening and then treating them like human beings. Like somebody had to take an extended leave for some, some medical reason a while back. And when she came back, she was like, yeah, my doctor was like, so what did, what did your boss say? And she was like, oh, she was great. She brought me right back. You know, yeah. And, and her doctor was like, wow, mm -hmm. like that almost never happens. And right. I was like, what do you mean? Like, just that makes no sense to me. Like what you haven't changed as a person, you know, like, you're yeah. still, I, anyway, it, it, people are people, right? Human, human beings are not robots and machines and overhead you know, mm -hmm. and liabilities, they're, they're your biggest asset. And if you treat them like that, then they're loyal and they work harder yeah. and they care, you know? So I think that's what we see in, in our clients too, who have a lot of leadership potential and, and we're trying to attract more of those people. Cause I, I really do think we can be in that C-suite and help people get to that next sort of highest level. Right. Um, but traditionally, you know, because we focus on clarity, we have a lot more people who are are just looking to do work that they love every day and aren't necessarily thinking about um, their influence at that mm -hmm. at that leadership level. But some of them are, and, yeah. and those are the qualities I think we see the the most often that work. Yeah, I mean, and you know, you brought up the Europe and Italy earlier, and, and <laughs> it, it just struck a chord with me because I had a friend that you know um, had some tragedy in his life, and um, the doctor prescribed vacation, you know. Yeah. And, and you know in europe that's a much more acceptable thing now if that happened 
here in America, <laughs> I mean, there would be some sympathy around, I think, the situation, but I would I'm love so to see that trend come a little bit further, you know? So when my dad, uh, so we lost my dad four years ago to lung cancer. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> there's no, there's yeah. no way around that. It's a terrible thing. Um, and I'm an only child. So the three of us were really close right. and the woman who was helping us with sort of his like end of life preparation stuff was, um, was, uh, <laughs> made this recommendation to my mom and my mom balked. She's like, we're not going to do that. She's like, listen, the minute that he has passed away and you know, when you're going to bury him and all of this, you know, goes down, right. schedule your vacation, go for at least 10 days and just get away, just get away, yeah. get away from the house, get away from grievers, get away from everything Everyone. and go somewhere amazing, somewhere beautiful, just go. And I was like, mom, yes, let's do it. Cause like I saw the magic and the beauty in this. Right. And she right. was like, we could not, <laughs> I was like, we're doing it. We're going for two weeks. We're going somewhere tropical and you're going to love it. It's going to be fine. Right. So we ended up going to Puerto Rico. We went for mm -hmm. like, I think 10 days. We did half of a beach vacation and then the other half in the city and like sort of exploring and doing touristy things. It was life-giving. It was mm -hmm. life. I mean, we were miserably sad, um, but we were free from the trappings of our everyday life as it had been for Right. months, right? It was a really, really brief five month, very intense period of time. Oh my gosh. It was, it was amazing. It was to this day, one of our favorite vacations. And, and that's weird to say, cause it, we literally flew out the day after the funeral, right? The day after we were gone. <laughs> well, yeah, you gave yourself a, like grieving is a process. And again, like not to be just picking on Americans in the United States, no, but we just, we're tough we, on ourselves. We're know? we yeah we instead of dealing with something that's like right there in the open a lot of times we just throw work at it you mm, know and yeah. and then all of a sudden six months later you know you're you're in a um i don't know you're you're doing something with that person uh and it just pops up in your head because of the way you know he used to chop wood and, and you heard that sound and all of a sudden you're bawling you're and you're like, toast. what the heck is wrong with me? That happened was, to me right. once too. Yeah. I have a vivid memory. I think I wrote a whole blog post about this called like <laughs> the girl who broke down in a Starbucks in front of her boss. Oh it was literally like we had somebody break into our apartment. It was this huge thing. It was very traumatic, but I was just like, I'm really good in a crisis. And then it, it came and bit me like months mm -hmm. later. And I was sitting in a, in a Starbucks in front of my boss. And he said something that reminded me of the broken window. And I saw the broken window in my mind and was just, yeah. just done. And I was just sitting there like five minutes ago, I was a normal <laughs> professional, <laughs> I was a functional human. And now I'm a puddle, like what right. happened? But you're right. You have to, you have to deal with it. You gotta, gotta deal with your stuff or it'll come back. Yeah. You know, and it always comes back. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, so we talked a little bit about, um, you know, COVID and some, some necessary changes that, you know, all organizations had to do. What was like, I guess, one of your biggest challenges and how did you kind of overcome it? Whew. Yeah. So I will say first and foremost, luckily for us, um, for me, the coronavirus was a moment in time where more people than had probably ever before in my business time of existence we're, we're finally taking a step back from their routine and asking some deeper questions. Is this really what I want to be doing? Like the white space that opened right. up in their, in their day from not having a commute or from just really just the total pause button hit on your routine and on your everyday life and on your comfort zone mm -hmm. really forced a lot of people to question where they were and if that's where they intended on going. So we had a good year of business, the best year of business yet. Not, not, you know, breaking the bank or anything, but we increased revenue of our core products 50% last year, which was great. Um, it allowed me to bring on staff, which is like, oh, game changer. So that was probably the biggest change for me was my role went from constantly selling to managing a team of people selling, of people servicing, of, of marketing, you know, a bunch of different moving parts. Um, and that was a huge shift for me. Cause I, you know, <laughs> I feel, sometimes I feel bad for them. Cause I'm like, I'm learning as we go, you know, I'm managing along the way. And, but uh, you know, we all have a good attitude about it. And everybody mm -hmm. who works here signed up for a fun ride, but right. a ride, right? Like this yeah. is, you know, so, um, 
I guess virus wise, the biggest thing that really shifted in my mind was it was an opportunity to focus. So what we had gotten in trouble doing was, oh, we're going to do workshops and we're going to do events and we're going to do this Mm -hmm. online program and we're going to sell it passively and we're going to coach it. And then when push came to shove and the world sort of shut down, it was like, this is what we do. We have an online program. It's a hybrid coaching program. So you'll talk to your coach via Zoom. It will last exactly this long. Here's the curriculum, blah, 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 blah. And it allowed us to get super hyper-focused. Yeah. And, and it, focus is everything. That's why clarity is so important because we think yeah. we have to be open to all the jobs. But in reality, when you're hyper-focused on the job or the industry or the role, then you're lasered in and that's how you break through, right? It's not the catch-all. It's the, this is what I want. And you hammer that spot on the wall until you break through, right? So I think that's what allowed us to do really well last year was that this is what we do and this is who we do it for. And if that's you, great. And if it's not next person, you know, and, and it was less confusing, it was easier to sell. So that was, that was huge. And that was a big lesson learned to just stay focused on what you do well and then grow incrementally, but master that one thing first, especially Mm -hmm. if, you know, if you're thinking about starting a business or you own a business, think mastering that one core thing first, before you get all into the scaling and this and that and level up and right. Yeah. It's so easy to think in all those terms and think this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm in year number, blah, blah, blah. But you're right where you're supposed to be like master what you're doing and then go on to the next thing. Right. So right. I think the focus piece was, was the best part of it for us. And sort of the biggest, the biggest shift. The other thing is I got a, I got a whole bunch of money, which was great. <laughs> so that, that really sustained us for that, that little interim period where we're adding people and adding complexity and changing a program a little bit. And it's exactly right. what we're doing at the beginning of this year. So yeah, I think focus was the best lesson, honestly. That's awesome. Other than that, it was just a lot of um, navigating my own. Uh, I don't know. I, I am. If you look up extrovert in the dictionary, yeah. I'm sitting right there. So <laughs> I have to manage it's my a picture own, right there. You. It's. I have to manage my own energy all the time because the more time I spend alone, even like this, you know, I'm in an office. I love my office, but I walked in today and I was like, "Did the reaping happen overnight? Like, there's <laughs> nobody here. It's very." quiet and dark. And like the more of that I have, the more my energy goes down. So I just have to yeah, really manage that actively. That's probably been the most challenging thing for me personally, because it's easy right. to feel lonely and isolated, especially at the entrepreneur sort of owner level. And because there aren't a lot of people around, so you don't get a lot of immersive public, you know, personal social experiences anymore. Right. So that just getting through this is... I'm yeah. so ready for the vaccine. I'm yes, on it right yes. Now. I think a I lot of people right are right. Yeah. My wife's actually getting the. My wife's actually getting the second one. She's a teacher. She's getting the second Woo! one tomorrow. So she's, she's uh, nervous about that. But just Good to describe to our guys. listeners, Tracy's sitting in an office, and to her back is just glass. So just she's kind of like in this beautiful fishbowl effect. Beautiful fishbowl. <laughs> and and at first when we started, I was like, oh man, I'm going to be distracted anytime anyone walks by. But you only had one person walk by, so. Isn't that sad? I know this office, (laughs) it's a, it's a really gorgeous building. I love it. I moved here in September, but I, I, I miss humans. I really do. But I'm, I like people, you know, if you don't like people, I'm probably doing great. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't right. This is a, uh, an introvert's dream, right? I don't have to go to work. I don't have to, or like go physically. I don't have to interact with anybody. I don't want to, I can just sit here and do my work. Like, oh my gosh, those people are probably so happy. To, the, to an extent, right? It's not like they're robots, but I, I just, I am so envious of that because if that's what shores you up and gives you energy, you're probably on rocket fuel right now. Where mm-hmm. those of us who who don't, who, who th- this is a depleting type of environment for me, not just neutral, but literally like right. pulls me yeah. down. Um, that's yeah, tough. I, my I, battery I'm totally is the low. same way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, low. even doing like, I had to do a presentation and that had to be on Zoom. You know, and I'm used yep. to being in person and, and building off of the getting the energy, energy back, right? No questions were asked during the whole entire thing. It was no. just, yeah, it, oh, it was what hard. A nightmare. 
but you know, because you're just staring at the little circle and you're like, I see you people in there and, and you don't, right, right. <laughs> but you have to keep all that energy really high the whole time. Yeah. And then it's a huge letdown on the back end. Right. It's, oh yeah. It's, it's tough. It's tough. So I, I totally can relate to everything you're saying, but then there's a comedian and I'm totally blanking on his name. And you made me think of uh, one of his, his skits was, you know, yeah. I'm president of the, I hate people club. We're having a lot of trouble. <laughs> We're having a lot of trouble right now with recruitment. So, but it's basically no, along have, those lines. But. I remember a guy I worked with on Wall Street who was like, you're just so cool because you really, like, you actually like people. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't like people. Like, most people are not that cool or interesting. Or I was like, everybody's really interesting. Maybe not everybody's super cool, but they, we all have cool right. stories. We're all interesting. I don't, he just legitimately was not into it. He just well, loved numbers. He loved the yeah. strategy. He loved the, the, the game of it all. And I was like, okay, great. this is a good environment for you. This is not a good environment. For right. Me. That's, that's a boss that I've had. <laughs> so when you were saying throw a ball around in the meeting, I'm like, oh my God, if I asked him, can we throw a ball around while we talk? Or some sort of game, like no job for Nick now. No job for Nick. Oh my God. Like, that's there's how I got the a, door. <laughs> that's so funny. That's how I got a meeting once. I, I uh, reached out to this guy who's like a super senior VP at a very large company. And in, in it, I wrote, hey, like, you know, let's, let's, let's play it. Let's grab a game of catch. I like, I just want to get to know you. And he's like, that was so out there that I was like, this girl's interesting. Like, right. I want to write back. And I got a meeting and I was like, oh, well, there you go. Okay. So they can use that one. Right. Use that no, one I again. haven't used it in a while. Have a catch. <laughs> I'd be like, Hey, let's go infect one another yeah, and uh, get to know that one part's another. That part's not good. Yeah. People are not interested in that right now. That's okay. No, no. It'll come back. Hopefully. Yeah. So we're getting close to time. I, I, I want to be respectful of your time and the listener's time, but I do want to ask like, you know, five years from now, where would you like to be? Where do you, where do you see yourself? Hard question. Oh man. <laughs> so this is a muscle I'm still learning to flex. I would say that the majority of my life, I've thought maybe six months into the future, a year into the future. Um, and that's partially so I don't get like too disappointed, you know, like yeah. that's how I've always thought. It's like, well, if I put it out there and it doesn't ha happen, then I didn't, you know, reach my way. So I'm working on that muscle, right? Because it's, it's definitely something that keeps a lot of us, myself included, from actually getting somewhere. Mm -hmm. so you got to vision it first, right? And not be right. so attached to it that um, that you're not willing to envision it in the first place because it might not happen, right? So five years from now, I really want to be married. Uh, that is like a huge desire on my heart right now. And probably not living in Dallas. I'd really like to be somewhere else, some new mm -hmm. immersive, cool environment. I don't, I don't know if it's broad or local, you know, I don't, I don't know, right. but somewhere new, somewhere different, somewhere fun. Um, business wise. Wow. I, I honestly, it could go in so many directions. Um, I really, what I've, what I've always envisioned for myself when I'm operating at my best is doing things like this mm -hmm. and not having any pressure on it. So like right now, a lot of my presentations and speaking gigs and podcast guesting and whatever it is solely purposed to then eventually get new clients from it. Right. It's right. a marketing effort which puts a lot of pressure on, on, you know, engagements where there's like nine people and you're like, Oh, what a waste of time. It's not <laughs> a waste of time because I, I just gave amazing information to nine people. Like I should feel great about that. But don't say shit. I <laughs> have the opportunity, right. To feel great about that. Or I could judge it because it's a marketing effort. So I would love to get back to speaking for speaking sake, writing for writing sake, like being that thought leader, you can't really label yourself a thought leader, but, but really right. getting back into the psychology and thinking more, more deeply about bigger trends. And like, that's where I'm brilliant, you know, is the big picture and, um, getting people excited, getting people motivated. Like the, the more I get dragged into my own business backend doing marketing stuff or, or mm -hmm. updating our CRM or like helping with the curriculum or whatever, it's, it's, it's not, and not only is it sort of energy depleting, it's just not my best value to my own mm -hmm. business, which is, um, something that you have got to be really careful about, you know, when you're running something and you've got a team. So yeah, I'd love to, um, I, I think maybe have gone back to school by then mm -hmm. and, uh, have just a lot more freedom in my life. Like, like actually spend more time focused on my social life and my family than my business. Cause I think the last six or seven years have been super heavily purposeful and business driven. 
And now I'm ready to not go, you know, total 180 and and go the other direction, but to have more balance in that area. Mm -hmm. So to be more family focused, maybe even like have a kid or a kid on the way. That'd be kind of cool. Oh God. That that sounds terrific. 38 (laughs) in five years. Oh geez. Nick, what are you doing to me? (laughs) You're good. And remember balance is just that perspective, right? Yes. You're just shifting those little muscles back and forth. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. (laughs) I'd I'd really love that. That's my five-year plan or or vision. It was so much more focused around my life as a whole than Mm -hmm. my business. You know, like the business will be fine. Everyone who works with me will be great. We're going to grow. We're going to continue to serve people. It's probably not going to look anything like I imagine it to look five years from now, but right. I definitely want more freedom. You know, I'd love to be the owner. I'd love to be the face and the name and the, the sort of voice and everything. And then um, have have somebody keeping the trains running on time. You know, have yeah. a business manager, COO, somebody who, you know, is excited about turning this into a training company or whatever. And then I, I can go be a wife and a mom and, 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 and keep working, keep writing, keep doing things, but, you know, not be so driven by business success all the time. Well, I think that you're going to find that that's just going to happen for you. I mean, you're definitely putting Put it, it out there. You're friend. putting it out there. Right. <laughs> right. So I'll tell you what, yeah, that's a vulnerable thing for sure. I'm like, where, where, where are you husband? I'm ready. <laughs> you know, 33 years is a while to wait. I'm ready so the, to rock and roll. You know? <laughs> so the funny part is this is part of the episode where I'm like, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, <laughs> future suitors i actually mean dear um, future husband (laughs) no just kidding how would how would they go about doing that we're definitely going to put things in our in our show notes but what you know how how do we connect with dial me at eight six seven five three no um so yeah so tracy tim online that's me t-r-a-c-y-t-i-m-m um i only primarily hang out socially online on linkedin um Mm -hmm. that's really my only platform that i update frequently or check at all uh the Mm -hmm. rest of them kind of went by the wayside, you know, Facebook, Instagram, just not my, not my jam, yeah. but I'm, Hey, I, you know, you can find me. Um, and, uh, our websites are tracytim.com and then the nth degree dot tracytim.com. So nth degree dot tracytim.com. Um, and we have all kinds of great offers. If you go there, great free courses, uh, video courses, exercise sheets, uh, you know, guides, checklists, all kinds of fun stuff. And then of course, if this is all resonating with you and you really are looking for more help, more clarity in your career, um, we offer free 50 minute strategy sessions to see if we're a good fit to work together and to find out what you're really going through and, and, you know, diagnose what's got you stuck. So, um, all of that you can do at, uh, either of those websites. Um, but I would recommend going to nthdegree.tracytim.com. Okay. I think that, you know, I highly recommend that my listeners come and at least check it out, you know, What's the harm yeah. in that? We were just talking about that. Explore. Explore. Try to figure out what what's next for you. Even if you're, you're in that job, the better. maybe yeah. it's not the right thing for you. So definitely I'll take tell a you look. what, my biggest thing is take action. Like take action and have a conversation. It's worth, you know, 10 minutes of doing or 10 minutes of talking, I say are worth 10 hours of Googling, you know? Yeah. You never <laughs> so, know where that's going to lead. You never know exactly what, right. what connection Tracy might put in front of you as well, in I addition to her services. So just like Nick. Providing yep. amazing value. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tracy, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, Thanks for and best me. of luck with, with everything that you do in the future. I'm sure it's all going to be terrific. Thank you. Fingers right. crossed from a five-year plan. <laughs> awesome. We'll see you next time. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in another episode of That Sounds Terrific. Don't forget to check out the show notes and our website at thatsoundsterrific.com to find the contact information and the best ways to volunteer with the organizations that we feature. If you know someone that is doing terrific things and think they should be featured in a future episode, be sure to email us their name, contact info, and short description of what they're doing at thatsoundsterrific at gmail.com. If you like our show, give us a five-star rating and give us some social media love by liking our facebook page that sounds terrific follow us on twitter at sounds terrific too and instagram at sounds terrific we love hearing your feedback on how to make our show sound even more terrific till next time